Mine's good. Life's good! Got real close. Got hair high, right? Trying to hit two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have! Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott alongside, as always. Hi, Scott. Hey, Sean. Good to be here. So, the Briar is over. Briar 2018 from Regina Dunn. It's done. Good ending, good weekend, and we're here to talk about it all. Yeah, we'll break it down. We we did a midweek update last week where we talked about pretty much all the teams that didn't make it to that championship round. The only thing I will say, in addition to what we said last week, is good on Nunavut. They almost cracked one. Sure they did. almost beat Thomas Goffin on Friday morning, which would have been very exciting. Mm-hmm. And th- good for them, really. Yeah, yeah, they got uh, their 10 ends in as well, and... You know, had a good time, and they, it was a real nail-biter there, and, and the crowd was cheering for them, but uh, you know what? Maybe that's something to build on for next time. Hopefully. And otherwise, you know, that Friday morning round is pretty standard. Nothing overly exciting happened. So we'll talk about the championship pool here. Eight teams qualified for the championship pool. We talked about it Wednesday, who we thought had the leg up, and Scotty, we were wrong. <laughs> yeah, we were definitely wrong. <laughs> so going through it, when we looked at it, we both thought Mike McEwen, we both thought Reed Carruthers would do well. Uh, even we, we kind of dismissed Steve Laycock starting out at three losses. But what I don't think either of us saw was the buzz saw that was John Epping. Yeah, John Epping's team just uh, played their hearts out this week. And you're right, they couldn't be stopped. Uh, Matt Cam was... Like a, a bit of a revelation this week in in men's curling, he played so so well. Really, even when they were getting in trouble, maybe a little bit early on, uh, with some of Tim and Pat's shots, that Matt Cam would just come and make doubles and triples, and all of a sudden, oh, now it's an easy blank, or mm. or maybe we got a draw for two. So yeah, you're right. They they came a bit out of nowhere, but they're a team that's been around a long time and and have all the skills, and they really put it all together this week. They really did, and you know we got an email from our friend Sabrina, who is back in the country and was watching in Vancouver at the airport, and was a big fan of Matt Cam for a variety of reasons, and she she was all in on this team, and yeah, Matt Cam I think was the key for John Epping, and they said it on the broadcast a few times that John Epping was keeping it cleaner than he normally does. The the M.O. of John Epping is take chances and try mm-hmm. and make that hero shot. And we've seen him do it a lot on tour. I remember one year at a Grand Slam, I think in a semifinal or a final, he made four or five like, angle runbacks that were barely there. Like it's, So he takes a lot of risk. But this week, he was playing a little more conservatively. And that seemed to help him. Mm-hmm. And just keep making shots, keep the degree of difficulty down. And basically, be patient, wait for your chance, and then make your shots. Yeah, and and even those times when he did start to get into trouble a little bit, Matt Cam was there to bail him out. So Mm -hmm. it worked both ways by keeping the game a little simpler and also having that backup to to help out when the going got tough. Yeah, so that team really goes through. The other maybe surprise of the week is that the wildcard team, Mike McEwen, doesn't get through. Mm-hmm. He is unable to push it forward, going 2-2 two and two in that championship round. Yeah, Sean, what did I tell you uh, earlier before we started uh, recording? It was that he had a 
terrible, horrible, no good, very yeah. bad day. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Referencing that uh, children's book. Oh, man, his uh, Thursday was absolutely uh, crushing. Losing that game uh, Thursday afternoon in the last end on missing his shot to mm-hmm. John Epping. He just he couldn't draw the eight foot and gave up a steal two to to win the game or lose the game in his case. Mm-hmm. And then he comes out against Northern Ontario that night and right off the bat that gives up a six. And, you know, it, he just looked like he didn't want to be there. Next end, he had an open hit uh, and flashed it, gave up a steal of one. They were down seven, nothing before they could even blink. So that was uh, the difference because he won his next two, right? Yeah. And, uh, had the chance to to get in had Alberta lost one of their two games on the last day, but uh, boy, it was it was a, a rough rough Thursday there for Mister McEwen. Yeah, and certainly that when he misses that draw on Thursday afternoon, that was really the turning point I think for him, especially because he controlled that game mm-hmm. right. He he was in it the whole time. He was with you know you're up a point with the hammer coming home. He he. I don't think that was a TV game, but from all accounts of the people in the building, that he was in control, he had that game in hand, and then just that one draw, and he goes deep. And what's what's interesting about it, where that Ontario stone was, was pretty good, and fine, you give up a steal there, you could see that. But when he went to throw it, the, the steal of two was never really, never really entered your mind. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like that was even possible. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, you know, it's in curling, just one shot sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh you know, and and that one shot sort of carried over, it seemed, to the night game, and he couldn't get it out of his head. Uh, they rebounded the next day, but, boy, after that, their their chances were slim to none and turned out to be none. To be none. Well, but going into Friday night, they did have a chance. They needed Alberta to lose mm-hmm. to Northern Ontario in that game Friday night, and Brendan Botcher comes up with a big win. Big uh, one. Took yeah. a lead early and pretty much just controlled that game. And, yeah, then wild card is out. So you really look at that draw as really the, the moment where they lose it. So otherwise, I mean, if we look at it, Nova Scotia, I don't think either of us are surprised they didn't make the playoffs. Good run for, for Jamie Murphy. Uh, I want to talk about him a little bit later uh, with some other stuff. And Saskatchewan, we, like we talked about last week, going in at 4-3, and three, in this new format, when you're – I already have three losses going to that championship pool. It's going to be really hard because, as it turned out, three was the number. Yeah. And to go 4-0, and only one team went 4-0 and through that championship pool. Mm-hmm. And you really are, are crazy behind the eight ball. So you got to pile up those wins early. I mean, Vic loves talking about losses and what the number is going to be. And certainly in this new format, keeping those down early in the week is essential. It's very, very important, uh, like you said. And yeah, Saskatchewan didn't do poorly in that uh, championship pool. I think they were two and two. Mm-hmm. So you know they showed all right, but yeah, getting those three losses early really, really ended up hurting them. And you know you talk about Reed Carruthers' team too, team that I'd picked to win the whole yes. event. You know they had a a pretty rough uh, championship pool there. They didn't. I don't even think they won a game. They did not. They went zero and four in that in the round. crossover. So yeah. that you know that's tough. They uh, put his hat back on. He shouldn't have put his hat oh, back that on. was it, eh? He, he was going bald, uh, you know, letting his whatever breeze flow over his, his he was owning. There. He was owning it. Yeah, and then put his hat back on and all went to hell. 
Yeah, I, and I don't know. Was he was he like coming up light on all his shots because he wasn't as aerodynamic? Like, you know, he made he made that joke after he took the hat off that he was more aerodynamic, and he uh. thought that helped his game. Uh, so yeah, so they they certainly struggled in the second half. So you know, last time, or at least when we talked about the Scotties, we talked about the discrepancy between the pools. Right. Where one pool went fourteen and two against the other pool, and that's why those four teams made the playoffs because all the teams I think it was from pool A I can't remember yeah uh, all the teams from that pool made the playoffs so the four teams that got to the championship round those are your four playoff teams the other pool thanks for coming out mm-hmm. what we saw here was a lot more balanced yeah it was um, a lot more balanced yeah so we have uh, in, in total we have pool A going 9-7 and seven in those 16 games of the championship round the only team that went 4-0 and oh was Canada and Brad Gushu Three teams, or excuse me, four teams went two and two. Mm-hmm. Alberta, the wild card, Northern Ontario, and Saskatchewan. Nova Scotia goes one and three, and Manitoba at 0 and four, with John Epping at three and one. Losing that game that frankly didn't really matter that much Friday night, mm-hmm. uh, although he could have very easily lost a team wild card, as we, as we talked about. But a lot more balance in these two pools, which we thought at the start of the week. Exactly, yeah. And there was two teams that made the playoffs from each pool. So it was a little more balanced, like you say. The The matchups were good, and I think that just speaks to the depth of this field versus the depth of the women's field, which I, I know we talked about it, but I just didn't think that the depth was there on the ladies' side this year. No, I agree. It wasn't. We, we had a lot of teams that weren't there that maybe we would have wanted to be there, and, and a lot of rookie teams... Um, and then you look at someone like Sherry Anderson, who she is not a rookie, but she has all rookies with her. Whereas here you have teams that are established. We had, I think, seven teams from the trials. Seven of the nine teams who played in the trials uh, were here, mm-hmm. if my math is right, when I when I did that up. And that's, you know, that's pretty impressive, right? Like uh, Gushu from the trials, Epping, Botcher, uh, Jacobs. McEwen, Laycock, Carruthers. Yeah, seven teams that were at the trials that were here. That's a really... And if we believe or accept the premise that the trials is the best bonds field in the world, Mm -hmm. to have seven of those nine teams here really made this a strong field. Yeah, and for those other two teams that weren't there was because their players were playing in the Olympics. So, you know, Team Kevin Cooey and John Morris's team. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the depth was there for this year's event. And, you know, it came through in the end. I was a little down... You know, early in the week saying, oh, boy, it was a little boring. A lot of blowouts. Didn't really care. Maybe one or two games. Every draw was was interesting. But, uh, you know, it picked up for that championship round and uh, and really delivered. Yeah, so you mentioned the blowouts. And there was an article, I think, in the Edmonton Journal about this. I, I can't remember exactly. But uh, their writer was really upset about the new format, didn't like it, and really railed against Nunavut. And now there's so many more blowouts. Okay, here's the thing. I mean, if we take the format that it was for however long it was with no Team Canada and Team Northern Ontario, and basically what we've done is we've added four teams, two really good teams and two weaker teams. That's really all that's happened. That's an equivalent addition in good teams versus weaker teams Mm -hmm. in all likelihood. And because, you know, Thomas Scoffin could put together a really good team, right? He's a, played in a Canadian junior final. So he could be a really good player at some point. And this whole criticism of it, I don't understand. 
and I don't think having those teams necessarily leads to more blowouts. There were nine games between the teams that played in the trials in the first part, in the pool play. Only three of those games played a full 10 ends. So when you look at all the blowouts in the first half, you can't just blame Nunavut and UConn because when the good teams were playing each other, we had games that didn't go the distance either. So I, I like the format. I really do. I think it puts an emphasis on all the games. Uh, even that game Friday night between Epping and Gushu, okay, both are going to be in the playoffs. Both are going to be in the 1-2 game. I think that's how it broke. Mm-hmm. Although Jacobs might have been able to s- sneak in there. I, I can't I th- remember. I think they were playing for Hammer, um, really. Right. But, I mean, at least that's like that's still something, right? And th- there's still that emphasis on it. The way it broke was somewhat interesting in the pool play where the four teams who were going forward in that last draw were all playing each other. Mm-hmm. And the four teams that weren't, weren't. But it, it just... I, I like the format. I want to see it stay. So... Yeah, there's pros and cons to uh, the format for sure. And some of the more vocal uh, people coming out against it were the players themselves. I mean, Mike McEwen, who benefited from the format in in getting the wildcard spot, really came out hard against it. Brad Gushu was probably the loudest voice saying how he didn't like it. And I think there's a lot of valid uh, complaints from the players, but I think they're addressable or fixable in that I don't think... I don't think they can do pool A, pool B, pool A, pool B alternating draws again next year because part of the part of the problem was that the players don't get to see each other on the same draw. They don't get to, you know, have their coach sort of scouting the other sheets uh, against some of the other good teams. So you're sort of disconnected from these other guys that you play all the time. So I think I think there's a way to do it where you could have two split draws and one full draw for one pool and you know, it's more math and more thinking about scheduling, but I think it's possible. Yeah, I heard Gushu say this. Like, I think the quote that was something like, we haven't seen Jacobs all week. Like, mm-hmm. okay, but who cares? Like, what's the big deal? Every time we talk to players, right, whether it's at events, like in the media area, or you see them at, like, up close and personal, I think Ben Hebert was very open about this, saying that on tour, when you're around the other people, you don't really hang out with them that much. Like, what, you miss saying hi to the guy underneath before you walk out? Like, is that really that big of a deal when you're going to see him later in the week anyway? Like, it, you're not having lunch after the game based on what they tell us. No, but... Like, but, who cares? And the idea of you can't scout them. They, they I asked every team at the trials who I talked to and at the Continental Cup, does scouting matter? And they all said no. Hmm. Like they know what each other do and don't do well, and if you want to send your coach out to watch them when you're not playing, then send your coach or your fifth out to watch them when you're not playing. Yeah, it's or just, you can watch them. It's just a, a feeling that you get, like being on the ice at the same time, and you sort of feel how people are dealing with the event and and whatnot. And I mean, I I think it's it's something that you could fix pretty easily if it really is a problem. Yeah, it's easy to fix, like you say. The the morning draw the. Uh, afternoon draws are split and the night draw is one right. of the pools and that's really easy to do that's not hard you could argue maybe there's a competitive advantage or disadvantage by having some players some teams then would have split days versus back-to-backs or whatever but that's the way it was in the old format and sure. if everyone's y- yearning for the old format then here it'll give you we'll give you split days mm-hmm. or back-to-backs back and just 
just go. I, yeah, I, the, the complaints I don't think are well-founded enough to justify another change to the format. Fair enough, fair enough. But uh, I'll be interested to see how this women's world is going to go. They've added a 13th team. Yes. And they're going to keep the round robin. So I'll be interested to see. But, Sean, I think, how many minutes are we into this podcast already? 16. 16 minutes in, and we haven't even mentioned the champion yet. No, so let's get into the playoffs here. Let's see what happened uh, on the playoffs. Uh, So the four teams in the playoffs, of course, 3-4 game was Northern Ontario against Team Alberta. The 1-2 game. Uh, Brad Gushu, Team Canada against John Epping. So let's start there with the 1-2 game, even though we're not going to go in chronological order. Uh, Brad Gushu wins. I watched it. Uh, It was an incredibly boring game. Uh, Brad Gushu was in control early. Uh, The only time that John Epping scored is when he was trying to blank. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really ideal that... Ontario team was off their game. Never felt like they were going to win from the get-go. Yeah, it was a pretty dominant performance by Team Canada. And you, you talked about it being boring. Well, I happened to have a nap uh, <laughs> but between the second and fifth, or second and seventh ends. Uh, I guess that's really actually a sleep. But uh, yeah, so it was a little bit of a snooze fest, uh, literally for me. And, you know, Team Gushu, they were just better that day i think brad curled 100 percent. mark nichols curled 96 or 97 mm-hmm. so yeah even though epping didn't play badly they didn't really have a chance no what's interesting about it, we talked earlier about how john epping keep things clear keep things straightforward low degree of difficulty brad gushu did that on saturday night mm-hmm. like he shot really high but his is the degree of difficulty wasn't very high either no. and what was interesting too is is they talked about this in the broadcast a lot of getting, you know, that extra maybe five or ten percent of a, out of a miss. Like, if you're trying to nose, but you miss, you want to make sure you're rolling the right way. Then, right. Yeah. So, what's the pro side miss? And Gushu's team does that really well. Whereas Epping's mm-hmm. team was they weren't full misses. Like they were making three quarter shots, but three quarter shots just on the wrong inch. Yeah. And so that's why, in part, the Gushu team was able to dominate that game. Yeah. And uh, they really showed their medal. So yeah, so they go through to the final. So let's talk about the three-four game. We disagree on one big element of the three-four game, uh, and that was in the tenth and eleventh end, respectively. So uh, Northern Ontario is up by two without the hammer. Although let's let's talk first. There was a steal, I think, in seven that Alberta had the Jake, six, the yeah. six where Jacobs has the short run back, yeah, uh, and just over curls. Uh, I believe uh, that was really surprising to me that Jacobs misses that shot. Mm-hmm. You know, Brad Jacobs is a great player, obviously, but I always assume that if he's going to miss a shot, he's going to miss a draw. That he's not going to miss that that run back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but regardless, they come back, they get their points. They're up two. Alberta has the hammer in the tenth end with a very touchy shot. Yeah, it's real, real tough. You know, you don't. It's a tight double. You don't know if that rock's going to drag and maybe hit there. Rock sitting back 12 foot. So, yeah, yeah, he takes a run at it and has to hit it in the exact right place with the exact right speed. Yeah, it's very difficult shot. If you haven't seen it, go watch the highlight. But there's two Northern Ontario stones, one sort of top eight, one top four. And then there's a Alberta stone pretty much right behind them. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brandon Botcher has to make the double and roll without going out, which is a very difficult shot. He makes it. Uh, to go to the extra. And then in the extra, 
there is a Northern Ontario stone just biting, I think it was biting, top button, uh, and Brandon Botcher uses it as a guard yeah. and is able to basically three-quarter bury around the button stone by having more in the button. Yeah, but going back button. So he's maybe a foot behind it? Yeah, it was, to me, that was the insane shot because that is so precise and so mm-hmm. perfect. And to make it under those circumstances when you you don't even know if it's going to be good enough, mm-hmm. but you have to make it as, as good as it can be. And holy cow, he really came through. That was uh, ice water running through his veins. Yeah, so this is where we disagree on which one was better. Like, they're both phenomenal shots. Mm-hmm. I think the one in 10 was better because the speed line, everything had to be so perfect. That's so precise, that shot, to get them both out, to not jam on your own, and then to not roll out. I th- that To me, that's so hard. Whereas the other one, also incredibly difficult, um, but it's also... I don't know. I just, I think those hits are, uh, precise hits are harder. Maybe it's because it's harder for me to throw precise hits. I'm just more accurate on draws. I, that That's sort of why I think that. Well, that's fair enough. But but to me, the shot in 10, he said afterwards even, he didn't even know if it was there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're going down like, well, let's give it a run. You know, maybe we'll get it. Maybe we won't. Who knows? And so you're, you throw it a little more free and easy. Where that shot in 11 is to win the game. Where the shot in 10 is to keep the game going. Well, I don't know. In, in 11, it's, I think in 11 it's the same thing. Well, even if I make this perfect, he has a shot. Yeah. And he did have a shot. He just overthrew it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, But I think uh, it was a more definitive, like, this is there. We can make this happen. Right. So to me, it, they were both phenomenal, like you said. Uh, I thought the precision that draw was made with was pretty insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great shots, and certainly, I mean, we I kind of made fun of that team. Well, not the team, Brandon Botcher <laughs> as of himself uh, last week on the show when there was an article about him talking about how they had to fund more young teams by basically saying, fund us, fund, <laughs> yeah. like, give me money. Yeah. Uh, you know, good for him. He maybe he proved that he should get some funding yeah. if he can make shots like that in big moments. And they talked about this on the broadcast a lot, too, where... You know, last year, the same team, they won three games, but they were put together just before the Alberta playdowns because, and I don't think we've ever gotten a really full explanation as to what happened with Pat Simmons and this team when he, when they basically just parted ways, and it was a very, to me, terse statement as to their parting ways. So they bring in Darren Moulding, who himself is a very accomplished player. He won, he was the skip of a mixed team that won the Nationals when it was here in Ottawa. So he's obviously a great player, but it's very hard to come together on very short notice. So now they've had a full season together. They played at the trials, and they came in maybe because of the strength of the field, a little under the radar, and they lost early and then just sort of came through and had a really good week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they. I mean, they're making shots like the one they made against Northern Ont, and... Mm-hmm. I mean, Which they, was, they've, they've got all the tools in their toolkit. Yeah, and I think what was really good about that game against Northern Ontario, too, is that Darren Molding was really, I, I, I hesitate to say bad, because, yeah. I mean, he played way better than you know any club player could play in that situation. But relative to the competition, and relative to what he had been doing all week, yeah. he, he wasn't as good. 
so he really struggled in that game and they were still able to pull it out and move on. So I think that bodes well for the team as a whole and for Botcher as a skip that you have a game where your third is struggling and you can pick up the pace and, and you can still mm-hmm. pull it out. You mm-hmm. got out a win. Yes, you needed a couple misses from the other side, but you also put them in spots where they're playing really difficult shots. Yeah, and I think uh, I think Darren Molding just sort of lost his lost his confidence and draw weight there. And oh, he had no idea the speed of anything. No, <laughs> on Saturday, every seemingly every shot after he threw, the camera would go, and he would have that confused look on his face where he didn't know what was going on. Yeah, that's that look that I told you last night. I don't like when our skip gives it to us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's never a good. Thing. Oh boy, and. Uh, and yeah, but but Botcher was able to come through and was able to pick up the rest of his team, which I don't think a year ago we would have said uh, he was able to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, real evolution in that uh, that team, and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more from them. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens if they stay together, uh, because you know most of the teams that are breaking up and will break up have been together for a long time. This team's really only been together for 13 months. Yeah. So if they decide to give it a run for at least another year right there is you know, there's not a need to necessarily set the team for the next four years yet not just yet that's next summer so if you want to take another run with this team and it'll be interesting because next year kevin cooey is back in the running in alberta so mm-hmm. now we have well that'll be a fun to watch to to see how the boston pizza cup plays out uh, next year. Now let's move on to Sunday. We did not watch the semifinal between uh, Alberta and Ontario. No, but uh, from looking at the scores, there is the big big steal happened in the seventh end, I think, and uh, and that was where Brendan Botcher's team stole two points in the seventh end, and that was the real turning point of the game. I, it looked to me like I watched a bit at the beginning of the game that John Epping's team was under control. They were feeling confident, feeling good. And then, uh, yeah, that steal of two and seven ended up being the difference in the game. Mm. So because we didn't see it, we're not really going to comment on it. But uh, Brandon Botcher wins, comes out of the 3-4 game. And now we're in the final. We did watch this. We did. On Sunday night, between Brad Gushu, Brandon Botcher, blanks in the first two end. Brad gets his deuce in three. And... Then it turned into Saturday night. I felt like I was watching almost the same game. Mm-hmm. It, it basically was, right? It was, uh, uh, okay, get your deuce, give them one, get your deuce again. They're up 4-1. It felt like they were in control of the game the whole time. They, you know, Botcher got a single in seven. Canada got a single back in eight. So they're up three. And then, you know, Botcher gets their first deuce of the game. So Canada's got, I think they were happy to give up the two. They would have liked to force the one, but give them two, seemed happy with it. And then they got the hammer to come home. And Brad had to make a really good shot. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, to, he, he drew the pen. He, he he had to draw the button. So, but he's he's Brad Gushu. He had to turn draw the button and he's not going to miss those. Yeah, what's interesting too, to, to contrast the winning shot last year versus mm-hmm. this year, which was also a Brad Gushu draw, but it was a Brad Gushu draw that he had to, I think, touch the eight or half in the eight yeah um and they had to pound it the whole way to get it full eight and the celebration was bonkos of course they're in st john's whereas this year he draws the pin sort of puts his hands up <laughs> like yeah i did it like it was such a like it was a better shot right just ob- yeah. objectively right drawing the pin is better than drawing into the eight foot, foot. 
But the circumstances and the context of it was so different that the yeah. shot last year was much harder, I think, to make. Yeah. And the celebration sort of was more of a release of all the stress and the tension yeah, yeah. of the week. Whereas this week, they seemed to be playing free and easy. They were having a good time. They were making all their shots. It was like, yeah, I just put it on the pen. Big time, big time. And and like you say, the circumstance last year, it wasn't just them releasing all of their emotions yeah. when they won. It was the entire crowd releasing yeah. Like, oh, it's just just amazing to uh, to think about that moment, right? Yeah, and it, then in Regina, yes, Brad Gushu has a lot of fans, but they've already won once, so yeah. you know some good applause. Yeah. I mean, it was cheering. a good reaction, but it wasn't a it wasn't a epic broom toss. Uh, no, even type like reaction because like even when Pat Simmons drew the pin. Uh, a few years ago to win. Yeah. Uh, that was in Edmonton, I think it was. So hometown crowd, even though they mm-hmm. were Team Canada, but hometown crowd there yeah. uh, for that team. And so pretty big reaction there, uh, especially because nobody really thought they would win, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were they were not the favorites in that game. They made that lineup uh, switch halfway yeah, through. Yeah, and they were playing against Brad Jacobs, which, you know, Brad Jacobs is certainly a more polarizing figure, I think, than... Brandon Botcher is so you know maybe people would be rooting against them in that scenario but that building went nuts and that broom toss is still my favorite uh, <laughs> broom toss that I've ever seen and that reaction was huge yeah this felt like a little more subdued almost like everyone in the building sort of knew he was gonna do that yeah and it was like yeah yeah of course yeah don't don't worry about it I, I got it yeah I'm really good at curling but... yeah yeah so as we talked about last week um, with predictions, I'm, I'm better at this than you are. Uh, I had Brad Jacobs going back-to-back. Uh, excuse me, Brad Gushu going back-to-back, and I was correct. Uh, you mentioned it earlier, but you had picked Reed Carruthers in Manitoba as your Briar champion. That 0-4 really sticks out in that prediction. Yeah, sure does. You know, Sean, uh, I try to be a bit contrarian here. I don't want to... You know, go with the same old, same old all the time. You got to take risks, you know, in in life. And, you know, mine haven't paid off so far. (laughs) Maybe one day. Maybe, maybe. So Brad Gushu gets to go to Las Vegas for the Men's World Championships. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, You mentioned earlier the new format for the World Championships. The Asia-Pacific region gets a third team in. Mm -hmm. So it'll be 13-team round robin instead of the traditional 12 and when we've seen the orleans arena before at continental cups they've only had three sheets Mm -hmm. so this will be the first time that at the orleans they're putting in a fourth sheet and it'll be a lot hotter than it has been in the past for the continental cup so i'm not sure who they're getting to do the ice there but it'll be a tougher job than in the past yeah absolutely but i mean uh las vegas is the capital of air conditioning i think in the entire world where yeah they just have the casinos wide open and air conditioners blasting energy wasting be damned yeah. we've got the hoover dam man we, we got all the energy we need yeah and the good thing too about being in las vegas versus maybe somewhere else when it would be hot is it's the desert right so mm. the thing that they always say about ice making is that the humidity that that kills the ice so mm. in vegas probably not going to have that issue uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I wouldn't think so. I mean, it's possible it could rain one day, but even that is unlikely. Should be fine. Yeah, so, and that's a pretty nice venue there at the Orleans Arena. Especially if you can get a room at the casino, I would definitely recommend going down and checking it out. Yeah, it's the first time they're going to do an outdoor patch. Yeah, at right? the swimming pool. Yeah, so when we've only been to one Continental Cup, 
in Vegas. And when we went, the pool was closed for maintenance, which was fine. It was January, and I think the high was, you know, 13, 14, 15 Mm -hmm. in that range every day. And at night, it got legit cold. Cold, yeah. And, I mean, not January in Canada cold, maybe January in Victoria cold, maybe. Yeah, close, Uh, close. But... Uh, so the pool was never open, but this time, obviously in April, the pool will be open full patch out there, which would be great because the patch before was in the hotel by the arena, but it was just basically like a conference room that isn't all that exciting. So you can have it outside and, and Stu can be Stu around people in bathing suits and we'll see what happens with that. But, oh dear. um, we'll see. I mean, it should be a fun time. I'm curious to see how many people go. Uh, the benefit of the World Championship, of course, you got two weekends you can go, right? If you only want to jet down for a weekend, you can. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what the midweek is like. And I'm also curious to see if John Schuster's gold medal will lead to a bump in attendance and if more Americans go, right? For the Continental Cup, it's been pretty much all Canadians and then that one Mexican uh, woman who they did the profile on yes, that's who right. came up uh, from Mexico. But otherwise, not a lot of Americans and, and not a lot of buzz around Vegas about it either when it was the Continental Cup. But I wonder now if, you know, people from L.A. say, uh, hey, we, we saw currently at the Olympics gold medal. We can, It's a pretty easy flight, certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of options in terms of, of when you can get there. E- relatively easy drive as well. Uh, or even places from the East Coast. There's always flights to Vegas. So uh, curious to see how that works. Yeah, and even... Uh, even with the Golden Knights, you know, they'll be making their playoff run right yeah. around the same time. So you go down, uh, you get some curling, get some hockey, get some uh, little gambling, little slots. Uh, <laughs> you know, it should be a fun time. Yeah, another round with that. But we'll do a full preview of the Men's World Championships before it starts in in a couple of weeks. So let's just wrap up the Briar, though, Scotty. What, what's your takeaway from the 2018 Briar? My big takeaway from this year's Briar is that I, I don't think, I think men's curling in Canada is in good shape going forward. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are still pretty young mm-hmm. in their careers that have had a chance uh, to perform on the big stage and do quite well this week. I'm optimistic about this Alberta team. I still think Reed Carruthers' team has some life in them. And, uh, you know, a few others. It'll be interesting to see what shakeups happen coming out of the briar. I saw Benny Hebert tweeted on uh, Thursday night <laughs> yeah. or about how, oh, everybody formed their new team already at the patch tonight. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see what happens going forward. But I think that the state we're in is pretty good yeah. uh, in comparison well, a bit to the women's side. Right. Well, we have our the... This broke just before we recorded, uh, so by the time you all listen to this, you might, you probably will know this, but Mike McEwen's team announced that they are breaking up uh, with no specific anything. It's just that they're not going to play together. Nothing mm-hmm. about anyone taking a step back, no announcement about who would play with who. I would not be surprised if either BJ or Mike ends up on that Cooey team, to be honest with you, and to play that third position. So we'll see what happens there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the first full breakup that we've seen from the real prominent teams on the men's side. Yeah. Yeah. We had uh, Menard announced that he was stepping back and maybe one other that I'm is slipping my mind right now. Oh, John well, Morris's team. 
yeah, John Morris's team is done. Kennedy had the announcement right. at the Briar that he's not going to play next year, and maybe for the whole quadrennial. There was a really funny tweet. Uh, Mark Kennedy's wife put up a photo of just Mark's. It just said Mark's to do list, and uh, and then somebody, one of the other players, maybe it was uh, Savile here, tweeted something like, "Oh." <laughs> Mark goes back to play now. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, uh, um, but yeah, so, so that's the first shoe to drop. The, the thing that I really noticed this week, and Jamie Murphy, I uh, said so we would talk about this later. I want, this is where I want to talk about it. Jamie Murphy said this after his last game at the Briar, where he said something along the lines of, you know, there was two tiers here. Uh, there was the, the, the top tier and then the second tier. And our goal was maybe to get into that top tier or be the best of the seconds here. Yeah. It was really interesting to me. Jamie Murphy seems like a really good guy and a really frank guy um, in the same way that Jamie Cooey is, that they'll just sort of say how they feel and say mm-hmm. where, they, where they are. They, they clearly haven't gotten like media coached like some of the other players have, so they'll sort of say what they're thinking. It's interesting to me that you, have, you can have this event where Jamie Murphy can come in and his goal is not to win like the idea of winning the event is not on his radar at all that his goal is to be the best of the second tier and i wonder how healthy that is for the sport as a whole that we can come into these events and there's this number of teams who can win that being said you go to a grand slam tennis tournament there's 10 players probably who can win uh, golf tournaments maybe a little more wide open with that. The NBA certainly there's not a lot of teams who can win the championship every single year. Mm-hmm. So maybe it, I realize it's not a problem exclusive to curling, and maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe teams coming in hoping to be that that's that's good. And then there's that level of competition. As long as there's not a defeatist attitude, I think we're fine, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want teams coming in not necessarily knowing that they're not going to win because I don't think David St. Louis team thought they were going to win a game. Going 0-7 was, I think, their expectation. But you want to ensure that everyone is still trying. Yeah, I think every team sets their own goals for the season and then event by event, right? Mm-hmm. And so that Jamie uh, Murphy's team had this goal, and I think they achieved it this week. Oh, yeah. So, you know, tick a box next to, okay, we achieved that goal. Now what's our goals for next season? And you keep building on everything, right? And so, yeah, the first or second time a team comes in, probably they don't have expectations of of winning. I don't even think Brendan Botcher's team this week had expectations of winning. I think their goal was to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then everything else was just sort of gravy on top. Right, yeah. And he, I think he said that after the 3-4 game even, that mm-hmm. you know we got our goal. Winning this game is sort of a bonus, and now we get to play in the semi, and mm-hmm. they won that. There's another bonus. So, yeah, and there was a funny exchange that Jamie Murphy was asked, well, what do you need to do to get ne- to the next level? And he said something about, like, we got to just play a lot more. Uh, and then they said, so you're going to do that? And he said, well, I don't think my wife would like would like that. I mean, because there's real-world issues here. Yeah, yeah, uh, for that, sure. That certainly, I mean, that I think we can forget sometimes that these guys aren't professionals. Right? Mm-hmm. They, they have other responsibilities, uh, both personal and, and professional that they have to meet and to be a, a top-notch curler it's almost to the point where it's being a professional athlete yeah yeah and there are players that are full-time curlers out there and yeah those are the teams that we often see near the top yeah and certainly Gushu's team right they like yeah. Brett Gallant is 
listed as a full-time yeah. curler and Brad Gushu owns a couple businesses out in St. John's so which I think he can sort of manage remotely a lot which is great because you need that flexibility especially in Newfoundland because they're traveling a long way yeah a lot yeah. so I mean it's like the almost like the European teams yeah out, oh, being out there it's probably yeah Air Canada elite uh 100k mile club yeah he's never he never has to sit in the back uh, yeah he's in the good seats <laughs> yeah he's, he's not in the village with the rest of us um so overall good week regina great job regina always uh, really putting it in saskatchewan is great next year in brandon another great curling uh a curling city a curling province so should be a really good crowd there as well and again given the the depth in Manitoba, of course, we don't know what's going to happen with that Mike McEwen team. The chance of having two, essentially, two home teams, uh, Brandon, uh, with that wildcard game, assuming that they, they hold that that format, would be great. Mm-hmm. So that'll wrap us up for the Briar 2018. We will be back later in the week. The As we talked about last week, this season just churns and churns and churns, uh, sort of never-ending with the Olympics. The Women's World Championship kicks off on Saturday from North Bay, my old stomping ground, Scotty. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, they're playing at what used to be the Capitol Gardens. I have no idea if they've sold off naming rights to it or not. But it's right downtown. Uh, I used to live right by the arena. I played and uh, refereed hockey there. I, our Nipissing University Rec League on Sunday nights, we played there. Usually after the Junior A team, uh, the OHL team wasn't there yet. The Junior A team would play a lot of Sunday nights, and we would come in and uh, disperse the crowd for them. Uh, refereed in there a couple times. It's a really nice arena. Uh, they redid, they got a bunch of money to redo it when they got the OHL team, so I'm not sure what it looks like now and how, how extensive those renovations were. But it was always fun to play in, and I almost died there once, uh, coming back on an icing. I lost my edge going around the net, <laughs> and just hit, nobody was around me. And I was all by myself, and I just crashed into the boards. Yikes. Um, but I have fond memories in that arena, so uh, it'll be great to see it on the TV. Yeah, it'll be good, and uh, you know, maybe we might even take a little road trip down the down the road there if I can swing some time. But. It is. I, there are a lot of bad drives in this <laughs> province, uh, from Ottawa to Toronto on the 401 is bad. Certainly from London to Windsor is just awful, but from Ottawa to North Bay is really just just deathly boring. And there's nowhere to really to stop. There's not a lot of convenient places. It is two lanes pretty much the whole way it is a terrible 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 drive okay well we'll talk about it then good um <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll be back later in the week with that if you haven't subscribed yet please do subscribe to the show uh, apple podcast google play stitcher wherever it is you get your podcast you can leave us a rating uh, and a comment if you would like as well, you can also follow the show on Twitter. It's at Game of Stones Pod. Scott is at Scott Likes TV. I am at Dr. Shawnee Fever. Or you can email the show with any ideas, suggestions that you may have. It's Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. So we will be back with you later in the week to talk about the Women's World Championship. But until then, keep your broom on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final!